2: Here's your weekend of sports betting. Three NFL games today, 11 NFL games tomorrow, six college football bowl games, multiple top 10 college hoops matchups today, and the World Cup final tomorrow. Let's go. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. 37-32 in one this year in the Super Contest, 53.6%. You're a little profitable, but not anywhere close to what you need uh, to cash in some of these football handicapping contests. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. My guest this morning, my contest partner, Paul Aspen, also the executive producer of my weekday show, BetQL Daily. Uh, Paul, yeah, I don't think 53.6 is going to get it done when I'm looking in both the Super Contest and the Circa Million 71.4% leads. What's that like? What's it like to (laughs) get to hit
3: 70% or better in NFL sides? No, it's been a slog this year. I mean, we went, what, 61% last year. We didn't even cash with that. Felt pretty good about last year, but we've had more landmines this year, more one and fours. It's been a slog, but maybe we can finish strong. And I think part of the reason why we chose the super contest is, you know, all these contests typically have like different quarters or smaller contests within the big contest. So we got one more shot. At hitting any sort of cash which would be the last three weeks so not this weekend maybe we can warm up with like a five and oh or a four and one this weekend but if we can go like 14 and one or dare i say 15 and oh over the last three weeks then we could get like that's not a quarter was that a third a sixth something some sort of portion of a prize for that little three-week contest at the end
2: it's the tightest sports betting market in the world nfl sides as you mentioned And to go 70% for 18 weeks, you've got to hit every coin flip, right? Usually you go into a week and you feel strong about, I would say, two or three really strong. And the rest, you're kind of picking things apart. You're looking at the very end of the injury report on Fridays, uh, whatever breaking news sort of angle you can come up with. And they're coin flips. That's what they are. Usually your fifth pick is a coin flip. And you're hitting all of them if you're going 70% on the year, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to be, and I, we've had runs
3: within three week stretches. I think we started last year, 13 and two, maybe something like that, but you've got to do that for a whole season. I, it's hard. I just don't know how you do that. I'd I'd like to find out someday, but it's not (laughs) going to be this year.
2: All right. We're going to go over uh, the games. We really like, maybe we'll come up with our five that are due uh, very soon. But let's start with Bears-Eagles. The Bears are a nine-point underdog, very high total. These are two over teams. They have been for the last couple of months. The total, 48 and a half. And Paul, I got to tell you, I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, you reminded me because at the time you were producing at NBC Sports Chicago in charge of all of the Bears content. You were the first person the entire week that I saw anywhere. Maybe it's just the city of Chicago trying to avoid it, or maybe I've just missed it. Ah, uh, the double doink angle back at Soldier Field for this game. I am shocked that I haven't seen more of that. And granted,
3: I, I guess I was very close to it. And who wants to relive that? But that was the beginning of the end of the Nagy era, and you know what was a pretty nice Bear season that year. That was one of like kind of my final stretch at NBC Sports Chicago. I'm producing the Bears post game show, and I'm an Eagles fan, right? I'm a Philly yes. native. So I'm sitting in the control room as, as they're lining up. I'm like, I don't really know what I want to happen here because as an Eagles fan, like I had seen them just win a Super Bowl. So that was pretty cool. When we were both holding without knowing each other at the time, 50 to one tickets on the Eagles that year. So that was great. Yep. So that and we had been told if the bears make a run and go to the Super Bowl as like a show, we were going to go. I forget where the Super Bowl was that year, but all right. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. So I was kind of—I think I decided I was like, "All right, I'm fine if the Bears win here." So sure enough, Parky lines up. They call the Eagles call a timeout. He makes it, and then we—and you could kind of feel it coming. Yes, beautiful. You, You absolutely could. I was calling it in my living room before it happened. You knew it was coming. And as yep. a neutral-ish observer, I had a feeling it was coming. And so as he lines up the second time, so we're like 10 seconds ahead in the control room. And <laughs> Lawrence Holmes, Lance uh-huh. Briggs, Alex Brown, I think it was Matt Forte are out on the set. So we, I watched it in the control room, and I, I may have said it out loud. I just like my jaw is just on the floor, not believing what I just saw. I just like, oh, no. And then I turn like in slow motion and look out at the monitor to see those guys on the set and watch them live react to it for on what me for me was a delay and watch them just go through the agony of that double doing. It was something else. And then, I mean, it just spiraled into a ton of content for us, to be honest. we I mean, sorry, Bears fans, but had a little fun with it. We created like an alternate call of if Parky had made the kick. And, again, there's probably some sort of Eagles fandom twisting that knife a little bit of there. Of course. Of course. And then, you know, with Parky doing the the uh, Today Show, doing the whole media circuit, and then Robbie Gold letting everyone know he wanted to be a bear again. we turned it into, you know, a whole bear's bracket for March Madness where we had the 2016, team. We had the 1985 team. We had this... 2018 team that everyone in Chicago thought was going to a Super Bowl probably still does think that if they just won that game, they're going to the Super Bowl, they weren't. And then a legends bracket. But Robbie somehow ran through everyone, ran through Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, Devin Hesta, Papa Bear Hollis, and won the whole thing. But he had a lot of fun with it. But that was uh, a very painful time for Bears fans. But it's one of the last things I did at NBC Sports Chicago, so kind of is a full circle moment for me. But, yeah, maybe that's why I'm the only person still thinking about that as this (laughs) game happens this weekend.
2: You were thinking about it like a a week ahead of time, too. The producer in you, you always need to plan ahead. All right, so there are some things that I could be talked into in this game. Not that I love. There are some sides that I love. But as far as this specific game, Eagles favored by nine, total 48 and a half, two over teams, seven straight overs for the Bears, seven of eight for the Eagles. Bears can't stop anybody. This is the softest defense that the Eagles have faced all year. So it wouldn't surprise anyone if they were to go over their team total or do their part in getting over the game total of 48 and a half. If there has been a flaw in this Eagles team for a period, I would say it was the run defense and the Bears are going to run the ball. They don't want Fields throwing the ball 30-plus times. We haven't seen that this year. Montgomery's rushing prop is 57-and-a-half. Fields keeps going over, but I'm wondering how many opportunities he's going to get because he didn't get as many opportunities as he usually does with designed runs in the week before the bye. So now he's been resting for a couple of weeks. Are they thinking, what's the upside in rushing Fields? That prop is 67-and-a-half. And we've talked about it plenty of times on the show, how the Eagles are a first half team. They have the best scoring offense in the first half and they sometimes let teams in in the second half to make it look closer than the game actually was. It's Philly minus five and a half in the first half. I mean, those are just a few things that I've thought of, but I can't sit here and tell you that that I love any of them.
3: Yeah, I'm not landing the nine. I'm not in a rush to take the nine with the Bears either. When it was sitting, it was sitting at eight and a half when it first opened. So there was a teaser option there. If it comes back down to that, I'd feel pretty comfortable teasing the Eagles down and pairing them with someone. I mean, you talked about the, the Bears defense is pretty bad. I guess my, one of my favorite angles, is there any reason Miles Sanders isn't going to do what he just did to another terrible run defense in the Giants? I think I would look there uh, for Miles Sanders. And also maybe... You can play it the same way. If the Eagles get up and they're leading, leading by a couple scores, is this another opportunity for someone like Boston Scott to throw in a garbage touchdown at you some know. value? And anytime touchdown score, kind of a, and maybe you even look at something crazy like a last touchdown score. Again, no strong feeling on the side. I do like the over. I mean, it's both these teams have been over teams. It's a little bit of a not trap spot, but a look ahead spot for the Eagles with the it, Cowboys on tap. It's
2: sandwich. It's sandwich, right? With the Giants last week, blew them out. Looking ahead to the Cowboys, could uh, lock up the NFC East, sure.
3: Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I did take the Eagles in a survivor pool that I am still alive in, so wow. feel pretty comfortable with them winning the game here. But I don't know if that's going to. Maybe we'll see some points, and it could be exciting. I don't know if the Eagles will ever really feel in danger. Maybe some props. That's about as, as exciting as I'm going to get on this team, on this game, I think.
2: It might not be in danger for the Eagles, but it doesn't mean the Bears won't cover. It could sure. be up 15 late and, and you have fields in a meaningless drive getting into the end zone. Then all of a sudden you're inside the number. Yeah, so I'm not interested in any of that. Uh, anything on the total? Yeah, I like the over. I like the yeah, over there. Um,
3: I mean, again, the Eagles run defense, as you pointed out, hasn't been great. And Fields can make some things happen. And again, just maybe it's kind of a black game for the for the Eagles defense with, you know, a comfortable game. Maybe the Bears put up some points late, but I think the Eagles will come out, hit the ground running against what is just a bad Bears defense. So, yeah, I'm I'm on board with going over the
2: total there. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest this morning on Early Odds, Paul Aspen, on Twitter, at Paul E. Aspen, executive producer of BetQL Daily, my contest partner in the Super Contest. So this is what we do every week. We go over all these games and uh, try to figure out the five that we like against the spread. Uh, Paul, what about today? Are we uh, getting involved in one of the three or maybe two of the three Saturday games? of the
3: three my favorite is the ravens getting two and a half going to cleveland now look the ravens defense it's been beat up all year you know they've been letting teams come back in games uh deshaun watson definitely a wild card has not looked great but maybe a certain he's still got the talent like the talent hasn't gone anywhere is it gonna show up i guess is the question but that Baltimore defense against a team that wants to run, run, and run some more. Baltimore's number one. Their defense is number one against the run EPA per play over the past month. So that's a pretty good sign for the Ravens. I was staying away if it was going to be their third stringer, Anthony Brown. But with Huntley in there, I feel pretty good. He's up. He's clear for the concussion protocol. Protocol. I feel pretty comfortable that they can manage the game, hand the ball off to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, who went for 28-188 against Pittsburgh last week. And the Cleveland run defense, it's not good. It's been bad all year. It's 26th against the run EPA per play over the past month, and it's been bad all year. So with Huntley up and not a liability, where I feel like Anthony Brown could have been a liability, I feel pretty, pretty comfortable taking the two and a half. And that's touching three at some places, but for the purposes of the contest, I like the Ravens getting two and a half in this spot and that's another you know potential teaser option if you're looking to play it a different way
2: yeah i like the ravens there wish we had the three but it's a it's still a pretty good option i'm not concerned about uh going against deshaun watson in the wrong week because he's going to start to turn around and maybe he's a little bit more comfortable first home game uh since since he made his debut with this club but We'll see. The weather, it's in the beginning of the week. It sounded like the Browns were talking about getting the passing game more involved instead of going run heavy, run heavy. But I don't know that that's going to be the case. It looks like weather could be a factor. Yeah, I've got to see it. I think I'm with you. I got to see it. You know, show show me
3: something to Sean Watson before I'm like going to play scared or, you know, be like, oh, Watson's going to beat them, that sort of thing.
2: I like the Saturday night game. I'm with you on the Ravens, but I like the uh, the Saturday night game. And, of course, they didn't give us the number that we wanted that the majority of the market has. Uh, seven. Seven, the Buffalo Bills are favored by over the Miami Dolphins. It was one of the strangest games of the entire season, week three, the last time that these two teams have played. And, and I've felt the last couple of weeks that the Bills are just kind of plotting through, getting out of there with victories, low-scoring games not opening up the offense too much, waiting for this moment. And at Buffalo, Saturday night, an opportunity for revenge. They're trying to cling on to that number one seed in the AFC. I think Josh Allen has a big game, and he's going to have a big game next week. But uh, that, that could open up the door for him to enter the MVP conversation. Not sure that he has enough time to win it, but I really like the Bills. And the seven and a half isn't scaring me. It probably should because it's above that key number of seven. Maybe they're scared, trying to scare us off. They don't want us to take the seven and a half. I don't have a problem laying it. How do you feel about that one? We have not seen the Bills just demolish teams like we did last year.
3: Yeah, it's not like one of my strongest plays of the week, but I could definitely get on board with it. I think I like all those cases you made. And again, it was a blowout spot before, you know, earlier in the season before the Dolphins came roaring back. But look, it's gonna snow, it's gonna be cold. You know, that dolphins team, they're trying to you know replicate some of the elements down there. But I'm actually thinking maybe the over is a play here. Over because because it's you're getting 44 with these two offenses, and yes, you're getting snow. 80% chance of snow, it's looking like, but only only quote unquote one to three inches of snow. That doesn't like that's this is Buffalo. That's not like you know, I've seen crazier snow out there, and people put Mm -hmm. up points. In crazier weather than that, and the other key, obviously, as we always talk about on BetQL Daily, is the wind. Now, originally it was looking like 10 to 20. If you get closer to 20, that's slow, that can slow two passing offenses down, especially two offenses that have not really shown that they can run the ball if they can't pass. But it's looking like 12 miles per hour right now. Even our guy Tua, especially throwing his short crossing routes they can put up some points with those with t- just 12 mile per hour winds going on. I don't think that's going to be a huge factor in slowing down the passing attacks of both these game, both these teams. So yeah, I I think the over 44 is my favorite play of the game, but I can get on board with the bills lane seven and a half in just a, a spot where, like you said, they've had this circled for a long time and show the Dolphins, Hey, this is what an actual contender looks like. You guys are still playing catch up.
2: And there's really no reason to believe that even though they're without Von Miller again, they can't put pressure on Tua like they did Mike White last week. They just beat the crap out of him. That was something. It felt like they were trying to send a message, didn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that was another revenge spot for
3: them because the Jets had beaten them earlier in the season and they just were coming after them. And the Dolphins, man, they just look helpless at times, like, Jimmy G gets knocked out a couple weeks back and they come, they take an early lead and they just did nothing. Brock Purdy, you know, led them back. And granted that their offensive line has been beating up the Dolphins and Nick Bosa and company got after two of that game, but they are, when they're not just clicking it, you've seen signs where they click at all, all cylinders. They're very dangerous, but it's just so inconsistent. So give me, give me the team that's shown they can do
2: it week in, week out. All right, very good. That's Paul Aspen, contest partner in the super contest, executive producer, of BetQL Daily. I'm Joe Ostrowski. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturday mornings, sports radio, 670. The score went over the, the Ravens angle, Bills, Jets, another Sunday one. I don't think we've uh we've talked about this one a whole lot, but but I'm curious about your thoughts. We saw what the Chargers did to the Dolphins on Sunday night. We've seen Super Bowl odds come crashing down for the Chargers side. They go after one game from 66 down to 40 to 1. People starting to talk them up a little bit. They're realizing, whoa, whoa, last month of the season, the Chargers have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. You can hear the love, and the Chargers are three-point favorites to Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Now, the injury report a big deal last week with Tennessee. It looks like they're getting healthier. Chargers run defense, always a problem. And on the other side, you have what the Titans do best. He had a month where he really struggled, but their bread and butter is Derrick Henry. We have not addressed this. I don't know if you have a strong opinion on this. You mentioned that you've got something on the Chargers. Not sure what your angle is, but my thought is, Paul, that if you're playing this game, you have to go with the Titans getting a field goal in this matchup. What do you think? Ooh, we may be on opposite sides of
3: this one. All right, sell me on the Chargers. Is this not a very similar handicap to last week with the Titans against the Jaguars? Now, like how does Derrick Henry have a better first half than he did against the Jaguars? Like he he ran all over them. The Titans were up 14 to 7, perfect game script for the Titans, a very talented quarterback who's playing at the top level in the league and Trevor Lawrence just came back and demolished the Titans the rest of the game. Derrick Henry did pretty much nothing in the second half. With a healthy Justin Herbert, who's getting his weapons back, I'm inclined to go towards the Chargers. Now, it was two and a half er earlier in the week. I played that. We've got three in the contest. I could still be on board with that. Uh, Titans defense against, again, a guy that's starting to look like the elite quarterback that we thought he was. Titans defense, bottom 10 in EPA per play over the past month. They're 30th against the pass. Um, And then the, the Titans offense, fifth worst pressure rate allowed. Guy Bears fans know well, Khalil Mack, he's still in San San Diego, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Same thing, right? Only, you know, 14 pressures, seven sacks this season. Not the breakout guy he used to be, but he's still around. Could cause some problems for Tennessee. And we've been fading Tennessee. We've been waiting to fade Tennessee for a while. We saw it a little bit last week. I'm inclined to go towards the Chargers side
2: here. All right. No Derwin James. It doesn't look good for him. It's just they're always so beat up, man. So beat up. They're they're starting to get healthier. And nothing on Bosa still, right? No, they're not even talking about him.
3: Haven't heard his name at all. And look, at the end of the day, it's the Chargers. So I will not be upset if we leave them out of our top five. I
2: yeah.
3: I, I don't I'm in no rush to back the Titans in this spot or maybe ever again this season.
2: Yeah, I mean they're really beat up. They're really beat up. I think we're going to end up staying away from this one. I'm not even going to ask you what your next game is. I already know what it is. It's a running bit. You find a way to talk yourself into them every week. And lately, it's been working out. We got four. We got four. Okay, the look ahead was six. We got four in Cowboys, Jaguars. And you've been looking smart of late because uh, Trevor Lawrence has been on a tear. 2023 is going
3: to be the year of the Jaguar. I just want to let everyone know right now you yeah. got a couple weeks for 2022. Just, you know, come to an end. But 2023. What, what does that mean? Does that mean, mean a playoff run? What does it mean, mean? A playoff run? It, you okay. know who's running out of time for, for an MVP run is Trevor Lawrence. That's who ran, Forget Josh Allen. Trevor Lawrence ran out of time oh, for an MVP run. But, no, I mean, looking at the numbers, it's tough. I mean, this number's come down from six. And we're down to four. I've seen some three-and-a-halves. Um, That's wild. The Jags' defense has not been good recently. No. Uh, bottom five EPA per play over the past month, 31st versus the pass. But Dak doesn't exactly inspire confidence. He's bottom 10 in bad ball rate. Despite that, he has actually is grading out as a top 10 quarterback over the past month, as is Trevor Lawrence, our guy. But Dak... Still, I don't know, there's something something off there. And then, look, the Jags offense, as good as Trevor Lawrence has been playing, the Dallas defense still looks elite. They are a little bit banged up on the back end, in the secondary, so Lawrence could take advantage of that with the level he's playing at. Doug Peterson knows the Cowboys very well. Uh, look-ahead spot. If Micah Parsons, please just keep having Micah Parsons talk about the Eagles this week. It's a, It's definitely a look-ahead spot for Dallas as well and they're the ones chasing, so it seems like it's very much front of their mind. I think I'm going to take them. I did take them already, personally, you know, for the bit. You have to commit to the bit. I need the Jags to win this game. I need the Titans to lose. I need the Jags to, like, go for that outside shot at the AFC South. But, look, I'm not going to campaign for them in our top five. But, yeah, I see see the case for them. They can keep up with these top offenses. But I've actually got another one that you're going to hate so much more.
2: Okay, I was going to say, like, it might be tough to get to five. There are certain sides where I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with the Broncos-Cardinals game with a couple of backup quarterbacks. I don't want anything to do with Mitchell Trubisky-Pittsburgh typically getting three in a spot against Carolina, a team that's getting a lot of buzz lately. Like, yeah, I'll I'll go with Tomlin getting a full – no, not with Mitch Trubisky or not with Rudolph either. doesn't matter. Um, hmm, You're going to tell me you're going to go Bengals. They are on my list. Okay. They are. And I'll, I'll make
3: the case for them shortly. You, you skipped right through it. I skipped.
2: I, skipped I mean, you mentioned it.
3: it and blew right past it. The game everyone is looking forward to this week. The uh, Cardinals the Broncos, getting Cardinals. two and a half. What? Why? Why? In Denver. Denver. Why? It's the better quarterback is getting almost a field goal. The best quarterback in that game is getting almost a field goal. The Broncos are. Are terrible. you positive
2: that Russell Wilson is better than Rippon? So I saw Russ leave the game and then ripping uh, throws a touchdown. Oh, right. Either way, the <laughs> yeah, best quarterback on either, McCoy. maybe in either franchise.
3: Well, healthy. Wow. Con, wow. I don't know, but Colt <laughs> McCoy, yeah. Denver's ranked 24th against the run over the past month. So that could be a James Connor game, Uh, bottom half of the league overall, Arizona. Yes, they are 29th ranked defense EPA per play over the past month, but they're still top 10 in pressure rate. You got a guy named JJ Watt, Soon up on that D-line, and Denver is second-worst pressure rate allowed. If he gets in Wilson's face, Rippon's face, whoever's face, it could be a long day back there. Now, this is going to be miserable to watch. We're not going to watch it. We might just put it in and look later and see what happened. But look, Arizona is a terrible red zone defense, but that doesn't matter against Denver because they cannot score in the red zone. Mm. This is a numbers play. I just don't see how Denver is laying points to anyone at this point. Home, road, international, I don't care.
2: That's fair. And if you want to get to five with that, I don't have a problem. Like There's just some lines I don't know what to do with. What do I do with Desmond Ritter today? I don't know what he's going to be. I know. Should the Saints be favored by four over anyone? No. I don't know. You could do a numbers play. You could do a numbers play on the Giants. Should the commanders be favored by four and a half? No. Especially over a team they just saw. I don't know.
3: Like that game was the
2: epitome of like the same team.
3: There's a Spider-Man meme, the same team playing each other a couple weeks ago, and they tied. I mean, it was even across the board, same yards for play. Each lost a fumble, both bad on third down. No one threw an interception. Just why is it different this time? And Heineke. And he's a ticking time bomb. He's one of the worst bad ball rates among active quarterbacks. So, no, we're not talking about guys like Carson Wentz, who, by the way, is back, like, around the team this week. That can't feel good for anyone who's back that's, commanders this week. That's
2: I like that ankle. I do like that. That's gonna be a little little uncomfortable over there in those QB rooms. All right, so we're gonna to get to five. Okay, good, because we're definitely uh, entering some of these Saturday games, some of these uh these games yep. today, right? So we, we've got to get this in very soon. All right, very good. Paul, I was hope we didn't have time for college basketball. We're gonna to have to do that next time. We'll do that next time because there are some great games today. If you want to hear Paul's case on a future, check out the podcast. Uh you laid it out on a college hoops future that is that is triple digits so uh, i i highly recommend people go check that out paul aspen executive producer of betql daily my partner in the super contest and we're hoping for another winning week thank you paul great to be here joe joe ostrowski here on twitter at joe ostrowski at joe ostrowski a lot of followers this week after let's call it some uh, internet drama It's a long story. Maybe uh, another time. Here are the five picks we're rolling with for this week in the Super Contest. And there's some terrible numbers. Bills, Ravens, Bengals, Jaguars, Cardinals. Bills, Ravens, Bengals, Jaguars, Cardinals. That last one is gross. College football, college hoops later this hour. But weekly contributor Jim Miller is next. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back here on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The Score with you every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. And every Saturday... America's friend Jim Miller drops by of Hawthorne Racecourse, and uh, we go back and forth on a few of his different takes. You know, I've come around to a lot of Jim's opinions this year because he's been proven to be very, very right most of the time. Been very sharp season for Jim Miller. Jim, better than most years. That's not a dig, but I'm just trying to say that you're – that's what happens in this gig. So uh, last year, I I just talked to Paul Aspen, my contest partner, uh, in the Super Contest. And we kind of felt that going in because this is just how it is when you bet the NFL. When you have a season going north of 60%, you've got to look at it realistically that the next season, it's going to come back the other way a little bit. And that happens almost every time. And the pros are trying to get to 55%. So if you go 60 in the NFL, uh, watch out the next year. Don't sign up for every contest under the sun because chances are you're not going to back that up.
4: And I'll tell you, Joe, it's really, it's a learning process. And we're still, I would say, in the infancy of legalized sports wagering here in the state of Illinois. It's only been a few years. The biggest thing that I think I've learned and hopefully some other betters have learned is you can't fall in love with teams. And so many people try to have these teams that they fall in love with. And then they just find ways for them to win in their mind or find ways for them to cover in their mind in that and you just have to be able to separate yourself when you're doing it from a betting aspect. And that's one thing that I think I've been able to do a little bit more this year, and just turn it more towards, where's the value? How are things trending? Things along those lines, the the meaning of games, what teams are really looking for down the road. And I think that's probably the reason why I've had some more success this year, is just kind of trying to separate myself emotionally and put it a little bit more just into the logical aspect of how I want to play games.
2: That's the name of the game here, right? The, the market moves too far and you've got to know when to strike. Maybe you're going to bet on a team back to back weeks, but now there's some overlove, right? Or a quarterback change. And then you think the adjustment on the point spread is an overreaction. So then you end up playing the other side, because how many times do we look at it at the end of a, a Sunday of football? Like, Wow that hit by a point, that total just missed by the hook. It it happens constantly. So every little edge uh, is out there. And you're talking about sticking with a team for too long. Well, there are a lot of people that are backing up your Ah. Detroit Lions. And I know you've got an interesting angle on how we should look at the Lions in the last month of the season.
4: So Detroit was a team that I thought even a few weeks ago had potential just to rattle off a nice string of weeks of football, and I think they've actually exceeded expectations thus far, especially with that win against the Vikings last week. We had those opportunities to catch them at decent odds to make the playoffs. Now those odds have kind of come back to earth, so you stay away from that. But here's where I think the impact kind of comes, and it comes in the human voting for some awards that we can wager on. So early on in the season, the Lions were the subject of hard knocks. So everybody watched the Lions and media members and voting members watched Hard Knocks as well. Well, you look at three different categories right now, Joe, and there's Detroit Lions that are in the mix in all these categories that may provide some value. Now, first of all, you talked about this last week, AP Coach of the Year. Nick Sirianni is likely the guy, Mm -hmm. but Dan Campbell is 12 to 1 right now. If the Lions make it into the playoffs, a guy like Dan Campbell might be able to get into the mix then look over to AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sauce Gardner of the Jets is your heavy favorite. He's like minus 500 right now. Then you look on the other end of it, Aiden Hutchinson is 5-1. to This is a guy, seven sacks, two interceptions on a team, making a great run. And then lastly, AP Comeback uh, Player of the Year, well, Geno Smith is your heavy favorite. And you're sitting there staring at Jared Goff, who is plus 900. He's throwing, he's going to throw for 4,000 yards this year on a team that, again, they're going to have to make the run. They're going to have to make the playoffs. But if you're a believer now that the Lions can make the playoffs and you're not going to get that value there anymore, you might be able to get the value in some of these awards where humans are voting on these awards. They're going to be impacted by the play that they see on the field each and every week. And I think you might be able to find some value in these categories.
2: I don't think anything you said is wrong. Defensive Rookie of the Year, the name that was not mentioned that I don't understand why he isn't higher on the odds board for Defensive Rookie of the Year is Tariq Woolen of the Seattle Seahawks. He might lead the NFL in interceptions, but he's not the favorite for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Tells you what the New York bump is and how real it is. Jared Goff, Jim, do you realize on Monday morning, Jared Goff still was not listed, listed for the comeback player of the year? Not even listening. Isn't that insane? And then when they finally posted it, because a lot of people were talking about it, we were talking about it on BetQL Daily as well. One sports book put him at forty to one. I saw another at thirty, <laughs> and then he was bet all the way down to where he stands now. Now, normally, a situation like this, Jim, I'd say forty to one, all the way down to single digits at some spots. That's way too much off. That's an overreaction. I don't think it is. I think that's much closer to where the number should have been right. when they posted Jared Goff. Okay. So you think the lines are going to have an impact for a number of these awards. And it's funny. I mean, maybe we're doing this too often going back and forth <laughs> too often on this stuff. Cause Who's I, your was, team? I was thinking about the same thing, but I was thinking about the beloved, believe it or not, the bears are going to go a long way in determining these NFL awards. And I, I have a strong example in every game. Tomorrow, we have the Bears-Eagles. Hurts is the new favorite for MVP. Sirianni, the heavy favorite, as you mentioned, for Coach of the Year. So that result will be big. Next week, it's Buffalo. Josh Allen is viewed as a step back, but the odds have ballooned up to 20-1. to If Josh Allen has a five-touchdown game, all of a sudden people are going to start talking about him again, and they might be the one seed in the tougher conference, the AFC. So the Bears could be involved with MVP. Detroit game, you mentioned Dan Campbell, what happened with those odds. We just talked about Jared Goff. Last game of the year, Bears-Vikings. Your new favorite for offensive player of the year is Justin Jefferson. I think both both the Bears and the Lions are going to go a long way in deciding a bunch of these NFL awards. And the cool thing about it is with so
4: many teams still in the playoff hunt, and now that added team getting into the playoffs, it really could have that impact because – I think voters, and especially in these AP categories, may be swayed a little bit more by that team that makes the run to get to the playoffs compared to that team that started out really hot and then comes back and maybe drops out of the playoffs in the last few weeks. So there's so many impactful games. We said it last week, how it was such a huge week. It seems like
2: every week is a huge week now, Joe. The bowl season started yesterday in college football. If you're a college hoops fan, you know about today's slate. There are some Awesome matchups and three NFL games, by the way. Uh, let's talk about uh, the one that's going to wrap things up. AFC yep. East matchup, Miami at Buffalo, revenge on the mind of the bills. That number is a touchdown. What are you thinking here?
4: At a touchdown? I love it. I've seen that number going back and forth between a touchdown and that seven and a half number. Mm-hmm. This is that game where weather has such the major impact night game, likely snow, Likely weather. We saw what happened last week when you had the bu- Buffalo and the Jets and weather impacted that game. Miami, I'm sorry, you're traveling north. You're dealing with these conditions. Whether you say it's going to affect you or not, it is going to affect you. But Miami relies so much on the passing game. Tua is not going to tuck the ball under his arm and run, especially mm-hmm. with what's going on with concussions and that for him this year. I think Buffalo probably wins by 10 points or more. But I'll tell you, watch that line. If it's at seven, I probably played. It gets to seven and a half. That scares me a little bit. That hook really does scare me in that game.
2: They stayed out in California. The Miami Dolphins did for a couple of weeks, and they lost both games, San Francisco and the LA Chargers. So their third consecutive road game, short week going across the country, it looks like weather's going to be a factor. And I mentioned revenge on the mind of the Bills because yep. don't forget in week three, the Dolphins won 21 to 19 and they had no business winning that game. No business. The Bills outgained them by 285 yards. The Bills ran 51 more plays. You could play that game a hundred more times and the Bills might yep. win it a hundred times. hundred out of hundred. It's 100. a, it's, it's a flukish thing. I'm mad in the contest that we got seven and a half. But I'm probably still going to play the Bills. I like them.
4: The only reason I stayed away from that game was that half in our contest. But it's because there was one other game that I was back and forth on looking at it for this week. And you look through kind of the slate of games, and it's so crazy to say, but Cincinnati minus three and a half against Tampa. Mm -hmm. Tampa was so bad against San Fran. Tampa might not be any good. And Cincy is really that team that is on the rise right now. That was the game I jumped to when the seven and a half number came over there, only because there's some other impactful games in that in that division. New Orleans-Atlanta becomes a big game if the Bucs lose. So there's some impact in a couple of those games there. But I think since he minus three and a half, I thought that number was going to be somewhere closer to five, five and a half.
2: I'm so sick of the NFC South. They all lose every damn so weekend. Bad. So like, oh, bad. Which team's going to win? I don't care anymore because they're going to lose their first game. They'll get a home playoff game and people are going to be mad that that's still the case, that they're going to be a four probably against Dallas. I'm just so sick of them. Early odds of Joe Ostrowski sports radio, six seventy. the score with weekly contributor, Jim Miller. I know that you have an angle on another divisional matchup, Oh, wait, we just saw this Giants commandos Washington favored by four and a half at home. I think four and a half for the Giants is a
4: great number. I do like the Giants quite a bit in this spot. This is that game that dictates a lot of things in the NFL playoff race, too, because you had that Thursday night matchup already where the Seattle Seahawks played the Niners. Then you have Detroit playing against the Jets. If Detroit can win that game, all of a sudden they're right there saying, hey, we're here. We're ready to come in. What's going to happen? And that tie. In the Giants-Washington game, I thought was so huge a couple of weeks ago. To me, I expected this number to be right around three. You get to four and a half now. I yeah. think it's a one-score game either way. I think it probably ends up being a field goal game one way or the other. The Giants, solid on the ground. I think they're going to stay on the ground. It's going to be Saquon. It's going to be Daniel Jones. Washington, I think, is okay. Okay. But I think the Giants are OK, too. So to me, any number over field goal is too much.
2: Yeah, the Giants haven't won a game in a long time. But that's a lot of respect for that home field, which historically has not meant a whole no. lot. People have been been there, watch games like, yeah, the crowd is really, really quiet. That line is interesting. And we just saw that game and it was a tie. So now they go there. It's four and a half. Really? It certainly does seem like a lot. All right. What are we doing with horses today, Jim?
4: All right, home cooking. Only a few weeks left of racing here at Hawthorne before we get a break after racing basically for two years consecutively. So three horses at Hawthorne to bet across the board. Race number four, we're going to bet the three horse, Cozy's Crown, across the board, 8-1 to one in the morning line on this one. Race five, bet the four, a Time Heist, across the board. And then race six, bet the one, Wildwood's Warrior, across the board. And let's build that bankroll for Saturday Night Football.
2: Saturday night football Saturday day college football college basketball all day there's a matchup of top five teams enjoy it all Jim Miller from Hawthorne you got it Joe good luck all right let's hit some college football and basketball next you've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski on Twitter at Joe Ostrowski this is 670 the score and the Odyssey app Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings 8 to 9, here on 670 The Score. Six college football bowl games today, and the massive line movement that we're seeing, probably a sign of things to come with the other bowl games. Washington State went from a a two-and-a-half-point favorite to a four-point underdog against Fresno. This is what the transfer portal and opt-outs are doing, the move justified Fresno makes sense with all the backups on Wazoo's side today, missing three linebackers, two of their top three receivers. Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson opted out, and the Gators are now a double-digit underdog to Oregon State. I think an overreaction. Defensive numbers don't look good for Florida, but that's against SEC teams. Gators seem like the look. Terrific college basketball today. A top-five matchup, a top-ten matchup, among others. Jim Root of the Three Man Weave and the Action Network joined BetQL daily, and we started with number two, Virginia, against number five, Houston. Take a listen.
1: Yeah, I mean, preseason, Virginia was barely in the top 25. Like they're kind of a fringe team. Houston was number one for a lot of people, myself included. So I would have thought, okay, Houston, maybe a four or five point favorite on the road. But man, evidence of what we've seen in Virginia is really impressive. There's a chance, and, and Ken Palm would agree with it, that Virginia opens like a slight favorite here. And I would be happy to get yeah. Houston as an underdog. I, I think they're going to be a little ticked about their last performance in a big game, them blowing that lead uh, against Alabama at home. This is a team mm-hmm. where you know, styles make fights. Like both are going to want to play really slow in the half court. So it's going to be about the physical execution. Can you get a good shot against a set defense? And while Virginia's shooting has been really impressive so far, uh, I kind of trust Houston's offensive rebounding and their defensive intensity, the way they close out, just a little bit more than Virginia right now. So I'm hoping to see Houston as a dog, and I'll probably step in there.
2: How about the late game Saturday night?
4: Tennessee at Arizona, pair of top-10 teams. Uh, look, both really good programs, that, are, you know, especially at Tennessee, after what they were last year, coming back in it up and being in the top-10. What do you see with this matchup here, Tennessee-Arizona?
1: It's going to be a, a big war in the paint. Uh, both front lines are, are strong, huge, relatively old. Uh, Arizona's has been terrific. The Umar Ballo, Azulis, Tubelis combination. They basically like both give you 20 and 10 every night. That's, that's really tough to contend with as an opponent. Uh, but Tennessee's got the bodies. Joris Plovsic, the big, the, the big, I think he's a fifth-year senior. They've uh, got Olivier Kamwa, Julian Phillips, the freshman's given them a lot. I do, uh, the the fr- uh, sophomore. They're really talented. They're big. This is going to be a, a battle, but it's going to be more up-tempo than that Houston-Virginia one. Arizona likes to dictate the pace, get up and down. Uh, Arizona did lose at Tennessee last year. Maybe that's on the mind of some of the returners and, and want to you know, get a little bit of revenge for that late loss in the final minutes. Mm-hmm. So I, I would lean towards Arizona. This one's going to depend on the number for me. Uh, Tennessee very highly rated in a lot of analytical sites, so perhaps the, the line tilts more towards them uh, than I would have it, and, and I'll be able to step in on the Wildcats there.
2: Uh, what about Indiana, Kansas? Uh, we we didn't hit that one. Yeah, so <laughs> about getting lost great. in the shuffle. I mean, and we got the NFL. Like, people want to watch that too. Uh, go to a bar or make sure you have a three TV setup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a like a, a monster blue blood matchup here. Uh, Indiana obviously just lost that big neutral site game out in Vegas against Arizona last weekend. Arizona's got that dominant front line that could limit Trace Jackson Davis and race Thompson inside. Kansas is, is solid in the interior, but they're not quite as big or intimidating. K.J. Adams, uh, his coach, compared him to uh, Draymond Green recently. Again, he's, he's kind of undersized. I don't know if he's going to be able to guard Trace Jackson Davis the same way that Arizona's bigs did. But the key factor in this handicap for me, no question, is the status of Jalen hood a Freshman, big, burly guard, playmaker in the backcourt for Indiana. When they have not had him, they've been a lot worse. Uh, puts a lot more playmaking pressure on Xavier Johnson uh, and, and some of the other guards there that aren't accustomed to that big of a role. And last year when when uh, they kind of only had one playmaker, that's when they were dicey and in, in a 12 seed that barely snuck into the tournament. So if Hutchifino's in, I might be back in Indiana. But if he's out, that's enough of a swing where I think I could take uh, Kansas laying the points there in Fog Allen against a team that's lacking a, a, a bit of a, a perimeter playmaking juice without Hood Shafino.
2: And that was Jim Root with us on BetQL Daily. Subscribe to BetQL Daily. Check out the podcast. Back on the score tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for BetMGM game day to break down all the NFL action. Three games today. I'm Joe Ostrowski. Cash those tickets and keep it locked right here on 670 The Score.